Before we begin, did you know that over 60% of you are not subscribed to this channel? That means if a video hits a million views, over 600,000 of you aren't subscribed. So if you enjoy the content, please consider hitting that sub button. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey guys, how's it going? Today we're going to talk about 10 interesting facts about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now I made a video like this about three and a half years ago. However, this one is going to be completely updated with new canon info in these last three and a half years that we've gotten so much information from the Master and Apprentice book and so much more. So, starting with number one, Obi-Wan the Rebel. Obi-Wan Kenobi is the exemplar of what a Jedi is supposed to be. Principled, noble, follows the rules and strives to always do the right thing. At least, that's how we are used to seeing him. But in his youth, the future master of Anakin and Luke Skywalker was a bit of a rebel. With a sarcastic edge, dry sense of humor, and defiant look, the young Obi-Wan was much more emotional and uncertain of his role within the Jedi Order. Given this attitude, it's no wonder Qui-Gon Jinn chose the young Kenobi to be his apprentice as the illustrious Jedi Master was also thought of as a bit of a radical by the other Jedi. Yoda once asserted that he could sense Qui-Gon's defiance in Obi-Wan. As time went by, as we all know, Obi-Wan was eventually able to overcome his anxiety and gain a greater control of his emotions to become one of the most well-regarded and respected Jedi in history. Number 2. Why Qui-Gon Picked Him As His Apprentice Though Obi-Wan would become one of the greatest Jedi Knights of his era and arguably any era, it's surprising to know that when he was a youngling, he was almost never chosen to become a Jedi in the first place. No knight or master seemed willing to take the young initiate as their Padawan, though they clearly saw his incredible potential. Again, it was his attitude and unpredictable behavior that made the Order weary of mentoring him. However, it was during a sparring session with the mysterious Qui-Gon Jinn that the Jedi Master began to take notice of Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon was impressed with the young Kenobi's adaptability and fierceness in the duel, as well as his determination, but still felt that Obi-Wan was too dangerous to take as a Padawan, a caution, ironically enough, he didn't apply with Anakin. With that, it seemed like Obi-Wan would never find a master to train him, until the time he and Qui-Gon were forced to work together in order to survive. When the unorthodox Jedi Master was trapped on the mining planet of Bandomir, the duo discovered they worked well together. Jin began to truly realize Obi-Wan's promise as a Jedi, and so soon after, decided to take him as his Padawan learner. Number 3. He once left the Jedi. That's right. Though Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon would become a legendary duo, not equaled or surpassed until perhaps the team of Anakin and Obi-Wan, their partnership wasn't always so smooth. Obi-Wan would clash with his master at various times, over their differences in regards to the philosophy of the Jedi and their way of life. When Qui-Gon was given an opportunity to join the Jedi High Council, it threatened to break apart his fellowship with Obi-Wan, and his responsibilities would be divided between the Council and Kenobi. However, Qui-Gon didn't join the Council, and the two were able to preserve their connection when it mattered the most. In Legends, Obi-Wan, in a turbulent moment, decided to leave the Jedi Order to help young revolutionaries fight a civil war on the Outer Rim planet of Melida Dan. The two factions could not agree on anything, not even the name of their planet. Hence the two names, Melida Dan. Luckily, Obi-Wan's departure from the Order was only temporary, and he eventually returned to Qui-Gon and the Jedi, and the two continued to make a difference in the galaxy for years to come. Number 4. The Negotiator Recognized throughout the galaxy as a master swordsman and powerful warrior, Obi-Wan Kenobi perhaps had an even greater reputation as a great negotiator and diplomat. 
His lightsaber combat form, Sorsu, was seen as an extension and reflection of the non-aggressive Jedi philosophy of life. Since it predominantly focused on defensive measures while only striking when an opponent left themselves open. As Obi-Wan was regarded as the foremost expert in Sorsu, he was often seen as the paragon of what the Jedi stood for. He only ever used his lightsaber as a last resort, preferring diplomacy over combat. So, he was often able to advise peace before a battle even had a chance to start. Hence how he had earned the moniker, the Negotiator, throughout the galaxy. Even General Grievous, who had first-hand experience with Obi-Wan as a swordsman, still often referred to the Great Jedi Master with that title. Number 5. Obi-Wan's Three Lightsabers Though he would reprimand Anakin for losing his lightsaber, Obi-Wan Kenobi actually had three different lightsabers throughout his life. His first, even if it emitted a blue plasma blade, was actually a replica of his master's green-bladed hilt. But he lost it in Theed, Naboo's capital, when he fought Darth Maul for the first time. Afterwards, he built a new one. It, too, was very similar to the first one, and thus Qui-Gon's. But again, he lost it, this time on Genosis. Once he had reached the rank of Jedi Master, Obi-Wan built his third and final lightsaber. This one was lighter in design, and he carried it with him throughout the remainder of the Clone Wars and even into exile after Order 66 wiped out the Jedi Order. Years later, his second apprentice, Luke Skywalker, would use Obi-Wan's third lightsaber as the basis for the look of his own second lightsaber after losing his father's at Cloud City. Number 6. The name of his home world. There are a vast amount of planets and alien species within the Star Wars universe, with many of our favorite characters coming from places we may never see or even know the name of. For example, Yoda. We don't know yet what his species name is or what planet the little guy hails from. Now this may change with the second season of The Mandalorian. We know Luke was raised on Tatooine and that Anakin lived there for most of his childhood. But what about Obi-Wan? We have never seen his home world, let alone hear mention of it. But in 2010, comedian and, at the time, TV talk host Jon Stewart interviewed George Lucas about Star Wars. When the comedian asked Lucas where Obi-Wan came from, George said, Stu John. Though initially a joke, as it was a play on Jon Stewart's name, Lucas made it canon and, <laughs> and Disney followed suit. So there you have it, Stu John is where Obi-Wan is from. Number 7. Obi-Wan was actually a skilled pilot. When you think of pilot skills, the name Anakin Skywalker comes to mind. However, though, he and Obi-Wan often had light-hearted banter between them regarding Obi-Wan's reluctance about flying. The Jedi Master was actually a very skilled pilot himself. As a youngling, in fact, Obi-Wan dreamed of flying around the galaxy and was fond of building models of ships. He would, of course, get his opportunity during the Clone Wars. Though his skills never reached those of his wayward apprentice, Obi-Wan proved himself as a pilot even flying through an asteroid field as he was pursued by the bounty hunter, Jango Fett. Similar to how Han Solo evaded the Imperials in Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. By the time the Battle of Coruscant arrived, Obi-Wan was considered a skilled enough pilot to be made Red Leader of a Republic squadron. While during the years in self-imposed exile in Tatooine, Obi-Wan eventually grew less and less fond of it. That did not mean that he didn't know how to fly. Number 8. He unknowingly prepared younglings for Order 66. Years before the outbreak of the Clone Wars, a young Kanan Jarrus, who would later become one of the few Jedi to survive Order 66 and join the Rebel Alliance, 
attended a class in the Jedi Temple being taught by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan was teaching the younglings how to prepare if the Jedi were to face an unexpected disaster. He instructed them how to use a recall signal within the Jedi archives that would gather all the Jedi back at the temple should an extreme emergency arise. When Kanan suggested that the signal could also be altered to tell the Jedi to avoid the temple, Obi-Wan, impressed by the youngling, took note of his idea and used it years later after Order 66, when he sent a warning to stay clear of Coruscant and the temple to any surviving Jedi, saving them from walking into a deadly trap. Number 9. An Oscar Nomination The first actor to play Obi-Wan, or Ben Kenobi, was Sir Alec Guinness. Though a standout performance, the actor wasn't really fond of the wizardly role, as he didn't understand the character and found the dialogue to be rubbish, as he put it. Now get this, he wrote this in a letter to a friend in the midst of production on the first film in 1976. Now I know it came out in 1977, but during production, which was 1976, Sir Alec Guinness wrote, Can't say I'm enjoying the film. New rubbish dialogue reaches me every other day on wages of pink paper and none of it makes my character clear or even bearable. Then of course there was also the time a young fan wrote to him asking for an autograph as he had seen Star Wars over a hundred times. Sir Guinness agreed to give the kid an autograph if he promised never to watch the film again, as he was concerned it was going to have an ill effect on his life. The kid's mother was not pleased with that response. Ironically enough, when Star Wars was released, it naturally was nominated for several Technical Academy Awards. The film was nominated for 10 Oscars and only one for acting, for Sir Alec Guinness, for Best Supporting Actor. He didn't take home the statue, but the role he didn't like had secured him 2% royalties of the film, allowing him to live quite comfortably for the rest of his days. Number 10. Obi-Wan watched over Luke. Now, we all know this. Sometime a few months after the Battle of Yavin, Luke Skywalker found Obi-Wan's journal, which revealed how the Jedi Master had looked over and protected Luke during his childhood. Obi-Wan's writings revealed that he rescued Luke from enforcers working for Jabba the Hutt, who had planned to sell the farm boy into slavery. Luke had no memory of the event, implying that Obi-Wan used the Jedi mind trick to erase the memory and trauma from his mind. Probably partly to spare the young child from worrying, but perhaps also to make sure that the negative experiences didn't leave a scar that could one day lead him down the same path as his father. The situation wasn't always so dire with Luke once the young boy wrecked his Skyhopper while racing through Tatooine's canyons with his friend Biggs. So Obi-Wan secretly gathered up various parts that Luke needed to fix it and left it for him, like some space Santa Claus. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this video of 10 interesting facts, mostly in canon with some in legends about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Old Ben, thanks for watching. Leave a like if you enjoyed this, and stay tuned for the other top 10 videos coming very soon. Or check out my top 10s playlist that I have already. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always.